Welcome to Bangalore Revival Center. Here we dream revival and serve people with love. Today Pastor Priji concludes to teach from the series called Loyalty and this time he teaches from the life of King David on how he honored the anointing over King Saul in spite of he trying to kill David. Do listen and be blessed. What is the definition of loyalty that we studied? That it's a combination of spirit-filled kindness and faithfulness. I want us to become so intentional with the hard work that we are putting in that that when God sees the hard work, when God sees our labor, he will find it a a faithful labor. There are things that your boss cannot catch, that your boss cannot appreciate you for, but God can catch and God can appreciate you for and he can promote you and he can lift you up and and he can bless you for. Amen. So the first week we studied about loyalty in relationships last week we were studying about loyalty in work and today we will study a, a different aspect in loyalty we are studying first samuel chapter 24 today and we'll read from verse 1 onwards are you ready 1 2 3 go after saul returned from fighting the philistines he was told that david had gone into the wilderness of engedi pos who is saul the first king of israel yeah and who is david he was a shepherd he became a servant in the courts of saul and ultimately he became a a full time employee for saul and became a warrior in the nation so much so that david became more famous more celebrated more appreciated in the nation than king saul himself okay now the bible says in the previous chapter that king saul he he decided i am going to launch a military campaign against david david was a man who helped king saul David was a man who stood with King Saul in different seasons of life. And yet, when David started becoming famous, King Saul became very insecure. Because of which King Saul said, "I'm I'm not going to promote this guy anymore. I'm going to fight this guy. I'm going to make sure this guy comes to nothing." And so he is pursuing David, and all of a sudden he gets a news that the philistines are attacking the nation okay king saul he is not supposed to be fighting his own people he is supposed to be fighting the philistines and when he is after david he gets a report that the philistines are attacking the nation so he said okay let's pause this let's go deal with the philistines and so he goes deals with the philistines and then returns back to hunt david one more time so this is like the second time his he is launched a full fledged military campaign against david see there are several times that he tried to kill him personally he tried to uh, get his son and different people to assassinate david all of that is different this is different this has become public david has become a wanted fugitive in the nation anybody that would become friends with david anybody that would help david will become a target of king saul 
including Jonathan himself. If you read the previous chapters, you will see it. You know, Saul, what he did is he took a spear and he threw it at Jonathan at one of the festival nights. Not just David. David is a different story, but he threw it at Jonathan because Jonathan, the son of Saul, was now helping David. So anybody that helped David was, you know, killed. There was a priest in the Old Testament called Abimelech. He helped David. He gave him food and he gave him a sword and he consulted the Lord for him. You know what King Saul did? He came and killed the priest, which was never to be done. You never raise a hand against the man of God. And yet he came and killed this priest called Abimelech. Another time the Bible says, David, he was so upset with Saul that he went to Samuel the prophet who anointed Saul and who also anointed David. And then he is going and complaining saying, this is what Saul is doing to me. You know what Saul does? Saul launches a military campaign against Samuel and David. He goes into the town and declares on the megaphone, where is Samuel and David? Bring them out here because I want to deal with them. That's how mad this man has become over David. That anybody that David would confide in will become Saul's enemy. Now, now talk to me about this. What would you do if you were in this place? You would say, hey, I, this guy, I didn't choose this, but this guy chose to be my enemy. I didn't, I'm not the one who's trying to fight him, but he's the one who's trying to fight me. So now I'm going to start praying prayers that Lord bring him into my hands. Lord destroy him. Lord let him die. Lord let him be, let him lose his business. Lord let him lose everything that he has in life. You know, I'm going to start praying prayers that is going to destroy this guy. Or if I can, I'm going to take the help of other people who is going to hurt him, who is going to destroy him. And yet David was of a different DNA. Because the Bible says he had a heart that was after God's heart. He was a man who was after God's heart. And the Bible says he was pushed into the wilderness and, and this news about David being in the wilderness reached King Saul. The next verse, it says, So Saul, he chose how many? 3,000 elite troops from all Israel and went to search for David and his men near the rocks of the wild goats. In other words, he called the, the cream of the society, the cream of the military uh, men that he had, the best, the top agents, you know, the most ferocious warriors, the elite ones. Saul took 3,000 of them to go hunt for one man. One boy, one young man, he is still not in his prime in the sense that he's still not become powerful enough to fight King Saul. And here is Saul who is gone with 3,000 people. And I'm sure that he has also given out rewards. He had said, anybody that catches David will get a reward. Because that's how he used to do it. You know, back in the day when he had to kill a Goliath, he said, anybody that kills Goliath will get a, a reward. So I'm sure that he has also given a bounty on David's head. And 3,000 of them are there searching for David and trying to kill David. The Bible says in the next verse, 
at the place where the road passes some sheepfolds Saul he went into a cave to relieve himself but as it happened read the next of the line it says david and his men were in the same cave they were hiding in the very same cave that Saul came to relieve himself see especially you know i don't want to get graphic here but when you're relieving you 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 get rid of the armor on your body you're not protected you're not covered you are vulnerable to an attack you understand what what is the extent to which david now has access to Saul the 3000 elite troop they are outside the cave nobody is there with him they want to give him his privacy so he's alone in this cave and there is david and his men all of them david never prayed for it but god still made a way for Saul to fall into david's hands check this out okay read the next line it says david's men whispered to him they couldn't speak out loud so they whispered to him covert messaging now's your opportunity today the lord is telling you who is telling you see can you imagine how spiritual these guys are encouraging him as they're not saying man i don't care about this church and christianity and all they are, they are actually taking using spiritual words to tell him hey this is god god wants you to fight this battle god wants you to put an end to this god wants you to take things in your own hands god wants you to you know rise up and do the right thing and they are people that want the best for david they are not see they are not trying to hurt david in any way they want the best for david they are the ones who are putting their head their lives on the line to serve and save and protect david and these guys they advise david david today is the day this is the day the lord is bringing a end to this running away you know for years decades in fact david had to keep running from one place to another from a cave to the wilderness from the wilderness to the next town from the town to his hometown to another place and he had so many people with him at one point he had to go to the enemy territory he had to go and live in philistine the the land of the philistines and serve the masters philistine masters why so that he he doesn't fall into Saul's hands so now his friends his advisors they are saying today is the day the lord is finally bringing an end to your enemy's power what is he doing i'll certainly put your enemy into your power to do with as you wish do you know what this guy is doing he's prophesying he's saying thus says the lord come on read that he's not saying hey, i think this is what god is saying no no he's like this is the lord saying i will i will do this i will put your enemy into your power so he is using everything possible all the spiritual words the right terminology you know you should understand if somebody tells that to you today you may not necessarily believe it but they lived in a covenant in a testament where this was allowed where i for an i tooth for a tooth leg for a leg whatever you try to take if you try to take my life i will take your life that that's the covenant in which they lived so this guy was not a false prophet if he says hey god has given him into your hands go ahead and kill him he is not wrong in saying this so this is what david did 
So David, he went close and this is what he did. He cut off a piece of the hem of Saul's robe. Saul has a royal robe. This is what his friends are saying. Saul's life is in your hands, David. But all that David touched is a hem, just a, a tiny portion of Saul's robe and he cut it out with his knife. Next verse. Are you ready for the next verse? Come on, read it with me. But then, David's conscience began bothering him. Why? Because he had cut Saul's robe. See, Saul was wearing a robe of royalty. This is a robe that nobody else can wear. This is a robe. Anybody... This, see, you should understand, this is before the Instagram and the Facebook days, yeah? How they identified Saul to be the king is by the robe that he wore. So the whole nation, they may not have seen how Saul looks, what is his height, what is his hair color, what is his face texture, all of that they don't know. But they identify who the king of the nation is by the robe that he is wearing. And now here is David who has cut off a small hem. You know, not the whole robe. He didn't take the whole robe. He just cut a small portion of that robe that represents the royalty that was upon King Saul. And the Bible says his heart, David's conscience, it began to bother him because he did something so small. He didn't do it for selfish purposes. He didn't, he didn't cut this so he can hurt King Saul. He did this to have a conversation, to get Saul's attention. And yet that small act of cutting off King Saul's robe, it began to bother David. Then he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord the king. So in other words, the, the men, they were all rooting for David to go kill Saul and come back, right? But David did go close to Saul, but he didn't kill him. He just touched, took his robe, a portion of his robe, and he came back. And when his heart began to bother him, he told his men, the Lord should stop me. The Lord forbid that I should do this to my Lord, the king. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed one, for the Lord himself has chosen him. Wow. David, what is your revelation? Why are you saying this? Because if you, if you forgot, God replaced him with you. He is not the king of the nation anymore. You are. The anointing is no longer upon him. It is upon... 1 Samuel chapter 16, it's very beautiful to read. It says that the... the Samuel went into David's house, okay? And Samuel is looking at each person and he's saying, uh, oh, perhaps this is the one. You remember the story? All the sons of Jesse, they come. And, and the thing is this, when Eliab came, Samuel said to himself, perhaps this is the anointed one of the Lord. Wait a minute. Samuel did not pour the oil on anybody yet. But he's, he's saying, perhaps this is the anointed one of God. So when did the anointing happen? Is it after Samuel poured the oil or even before? 
Samuel's oil is not what anointed David. It was God who had anointed David and Samuel just had to come in agreement with what God had already anointed. That's why he was asking, hey, surely this is the Lord's anointed and God is like, no, that's not the guy. Then the next person will come, surely this is the... God is, God is like, sorry, I know you are an expert prophet, but you got this prophecy wrong. <laughs> the next guy, seven prophecies, Samuel got it wrong. And finally, David comes and the Lord says, this is the one. By now, Samuel has like stopped trying to prophesy. And then Samuel comes in agreement with what God has already done, already began. So in other words, Samuel is not the one who anointed David. God is the one who anointed David. God is the one who chose David. Samuel just came in agreement. And the next verse, it says, the spirit of the Lord, it left Saul. There was an anointing that was upon Saul, but that spirit, it left Saul and a tormenting spirit came upon King Saul. So now, I don't understand. And, and David knows all these things, yeah? He's not ignorant about these things. He knows all these things. He has been in the court of the Saul when Saul was going all, you know, like, he was fully demon-possessed, you know? And, and David had to play guitar to calm down King Saul. And... Sometimes during his manifestation, he will even throw javelins or you know, spears at David. So David knows all the history, the entire story. And still, this is David's conscience. What is David's conscience saying? I, the Lord forbid if I should do this. I shouldn't attack the Lord's anointed. I cannot be the one to raise my hand or my words or my heart against the one that the Lord chose. Wow, what a revelation. What an understanding this guy carries. What a perspective he has. See, anybody else in, in our day and time, as soon as you hear the Lord has appointed you to replace your leader, you will now start working towards replacing that leader, working towards replacing that anointed one. Because you know, the anointing is not working for this guy anymore. You will immediately put things into place to make sure that, you know, that now people like me, people respect me, people love me, people, you know, this is, this is no longer Saul's kingdom anymore. I, I'm the one. And yet here is a man who says, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to be the one to touch the Lord's chosen one. Read the next verse. It says, so David restrained his men. Do you know what restrained means? Yeah? Yeah. Just try wrestling with Pastor Kachi. You will know what restrained means. He knows how to restrain. You know, I, I can't. But he knows how to restrain. You know, I've seen him do it to some people. Yeah, you try to mess in this church as long as Pastor Kachi is here. I've seen him pick people up and run out of the church. You know? <laughs> Guess what David did? David restrained his own men. Because the men are like, this guy is not thinking straight. This is our opportunity. We cannot leave this. And David, he would do everything possible in his ability. You know, fight them, beat them, give them a slap if necessary. They're like, this is not happening on my watch. 
you're not touching the king of this nation he is the chosen one god is the one who put him there yeah right now his decisions are off right now his perspectives are off his character is gone everything is lost and yet god is the one who put him there it is the lord who elevates and is the lord who brings people down you and i we don't have any role to play in it we can never take things into our own hands and say oh wait i got a prophecy then wait wait till that prophecy comes to pass you wait till that you know prophecy is beginning to manifest see god gave a prophetic word to david saying from this day forward you are the king of israel so what did david do he he went and he exercised he built his own team and he started preparing for the kingdom but he never took the kingdom by himself so there is a big difference between the preparation work that i was talking about last week where you, where jake jacob heard the prophetic and he began to work towards the prophetic and going and taking it grabbing it by force and saying this belongs to me that is not supposed to be a part of god's kingdom we never take things by force we wait and let the lord give it to us and and that is the loyalty that we are talking about here is david his loyalty is not just in his relationships he has loyalty towards jonathan that's a relationship his loyalty is not just towards his work there is his colleagues that are around him but now his loyalty is further his loyalty is towards the anointing in this place and he's saying i am not going to touch the anointed one of the lord because as as long as i can understand i can see that the oil had some day touched this man some day some season the oil was upon this guy i'm not going to touch this guy i'm not yeah right now he's demoniac right now he's a murderer right now he's an adulterer right now he has all these things but i my finger is not going to touch this guy as simple as that because once upon a time he was the anointed of the lord once upon a time the oil had fallen on this guy his loyalty please understand his loyalty was not to king saul his loyalty was to the oil that fell upon king saul his loyalty was to the anointing that was upon king saul because he said god forbid that i will touch the anointed one the chosen one of god so david he restrained his men and did not let them kill saul and after saul had left the cave and gone on his way it says david came out and shouted after him my lord the king and when saul looked around what did david do spat at him right so he started laughing at him right ah you have no idea what i did no the bible says david bowed down before him before the demon possessed man before the guy who has got character wrong before the guy who has no idea about how to run a nation what did david do please understand who david is on the other hand he's a man after god's heart he's a anointed guy he's a warrior he's now the heart of israel like the, the everybody in the nation of judah and israel they love david the bible says david he now begins to bow down before 
the king, Saul, and he says, and he begins to speak to him. It says, then he shouted to Saul, why do you listen to the people who say that I am trying to harm you? In other words, Saul has been fed information constantly. Fed lies that have been telling him that David wants to kill him. David wants to harm him. You know those people around you that keep creating stories that are not there? You know, in, in Saul and David's case, it began with a group of women. I'm not saying all women are like this. I'm just telling you. In Saul and David's case, it was women. And all the sisters are giving me a very serious look. It says that when David and Saul, when they came back, when the armies of Israel, when they came back from battle, all the women, they started singing a song. You know the song they sang? Saul has killed the thousands and David has killed? How many had David killed that day? Only one. Please think about it. David had only killed Goliath. It doesn't, Bible doesn't talk about anything else that David, David was not experienced with war that he couldn't even wear the armors that will be required to go into the war. In fact, killing Goliath himself, he had to use Goliath's own weapons to kill Goliath. So it's not like David is like, come prepared to kill 10,000. No. But then there are some women that fed, not all women, some women. I thank God for the wise women in our church. Yeah, they don't do these things. Yeah. <laughs> but there was some woman that came to sow enmity between David and Saul. They started comparing David and Saul. They started bringing information, putting information into Saul's head that was not even true. And see, this is what happens. See, anybody that is filled in the Holy Spirit, they can have the right response and they can overcome an insecure thought or a word that is sowed into them. But somebody who is demon possessed, you're, you're giving them more information to now begin to fight the anointing. And that's what the Bible says. David, he said, Saul, why are you believing these people who are saying that I'm trying to harm you? Whoever these people are, they may be the most loyal people, they may be the trustworthy people, they may be in your church, they may be in your family, they may be hanging out with you. But why are you allowing these people to divide you and me? Church, can you, in this week, can you mark and avoid those people that bring division? Anybody that brings division. See, the Bible doesn't say you should avoid the people of the world. But the Bible is very clear. Mark and avoid the ones that bring division. The ones that bring division in the church. No, that is something that we cannot tolerate. Why? Because it, it, it takes away my loyalty to the place, to the people that God has ordained in my life. See, David knows that God used Saul to elevate him. Without Saul's permission, David couldn't have fought Goliath. Yeah. If Saul would have said, no, no, I don't want you to fight Goliath then David would still be a nobody. So without Saul's help, without Saul's blessing upon David, David not become the warrior that he is today. 
Yes, yes, it is the anointing of God. Yes, it is the grace of God. But Saul had to elevate him. Saul had to permit. Saul had to bless him and bring him here. Now David is saying, why are you allowing what people told you to come in between our relationship? Why did you allow the people to feed your ears? He says, the next verse, this very day. Now you can see with your own eyes that that is not true. For the Lord placed you at my mercy. Back there in the cave. And some of my own men, they told me the exact same things that your people have been telling you. What did they tell me? They told me to kill you. But this is what I did. I spared you. For I said, I will never. Somebody said, never. I will never harm the king because he is the Lord's anointed one. Not because, oh, this Saul, no, he's my favorite pastor. I will, no, no, no. Right now, he is not my favorite pastor, but he's the anointed of the Lord. Right now, he's not helping me, but he's the anointed of the Lord. Right now, he's against me, but he's the anointed of the Lord. Whatever it may be, but right now, I understand that he is the anointed of the Lord. So I am not going to touch, never, never going to harm the king because he is the anointed of the Lord. Are you ready for the next line? This is going to take it to different levels. Yeah? Read with me, okay? Look! My? What does David call Saul? So this is no longer a boss to employ relationship. This is no longer a king to subject relationship. This is now a father to son relationship we are talking about. See, King Saul was not David's father. Who was David's father? Jesse was David's father. But at a later point, the Bible says, after Goliath was killed, the Bible says, King Saul asked, who is his father? And he sent word and he said, I want this boy for myself. I want him with me all the time. In other words, King Saul adopted David into his family. He said, this guy, he has the capacity to produce royalty. He has to stay with me. He has to be with me. You know, you know how Samuel's father was Elkanah. Yeah? But he had to disconnect from Elkanah and stay close to Eli. Because God was now preparing him to become the next priest, the next leader, the next voice over the nation of Israel. And in the same way, although David had responsibilities back home, David had his loyalty, his allegiance back home to Jesse and his family, he had to, at one point, disconnect from that responsibility and say yes to someone else who is now going to adopt him into his family and he's saying okay yeah physically we are not related but spiritually there has to be an impartation that needs to take place in this place and now you need to become a king that is better than i am now you need to become a royalty like i am and even better than i am so you need to stay close to me it's not possible, friends, it's not possible that you, that you call somebody your father, but you don't want to be close to that person. Not in the natural, in the, not in the physical. In the physical, there may be distance. But in the spiritual, you have to be attentive to what your father is speaking. 
You cannot miss a single word that your father is bringing for you. You cannot miss a single sermon. So many times people call me and say, Dad, I, I want your help. I want you to pray for me. Please, my, my finances is in a wreck and, and my, my, my you know, relationship is off and all of this. And I tell them, hey, that's awesome. Did you hear this Sunday's word? This Sunday's word was custom made for you. And they're like, no. And, and they want me to pray a custom prayer, a custom three-minute prayer. Whereas I have, I have spent hours to prepare a word for them. I've sought the heart of God. I have spent hours to bring the heart of God for them. And they don't have the time to sit and hear that. But they need a custom three-minute prayer that I can pray that will, you know, eradicate. They cannot stay close but they want me to give them a shortcut, like a three minute. The loving guy that I am, I will do that. But all that you will get is a good prayer, not the inheritance of a father. If you want the inheritance of a father, you have to stay close to the father like a son would do to his father. Paul would say this about Timothy. You know, a lot of people called Paul as his spiritual father. Okay, a lot of people. In fact, when Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, all of you guys, you may have 10,000 pastors, but you only have one father, right? And in fact, when he's writing, he's also saying, I don't know most of you, which means there were people in the church at Corinth that called Paul as a spiritual father, but Paul didn't even have a personal relationship with them, yeah? But when he talks about Timothy, he talks a different language. He says, as the son walks with his father, he walks so closely with me. Now, Timothy was not so close to Paul all the time. When Paul was in the prison, it was Paul and Silas. It was Paul and Barnabas. It was physically, Timothy was not with Paul all the time. Timothy was the guy that Paul would send out and say, okay, now that I'm locked up, you go and get beaten up. You know, Timothy was the man that Paul would use to send out these messages to different churches. And yet, Paul says, this man... When you receive him, you're actually receiving me. Paul could vouch for Timothy like that. Why? Because this guy has been staying so close to his father. Now, that's the relationship we are talking about. Where David is now responding to Saul and, you know, he begins the conversations by saying, my Lord, the king. But then he graduates in saying, hey, but it's not just that you're my master, not just that you're my king. But now, I want to also tell you a secret. You've been my father. From a long time, I've been journeying with you, being very close to you. And look at the evidence of what I have in my hand. Look, my father, at what I have in my hand. It is a piece of the hem of your robe. I cut it off, but I didn't kill you. This proves that I am not trying to harm you and that I have not sinned against you even though you have been hunting for me to kill me. So this is, I want you to understand the heart of a loyal son. Where he is saying, even if my father tries to kill me, I will not raise a hand back at him. Whatever this guy has done, even if he has tried to kill me, at the end of the day, God has placed him as my father. And I'm not going to lift up my hands over him, against him. He's the anointed one of the Lord and I'm not going to be the one pointing fingers at him. He may be a, a murderer. 
he may be a demon possessed guy he may not even be qualified to for the position that he is in spiritually physically politically but he's my father you know the story of how noah he was drunk and naked and all of that and then his sons they found him this is one guy he's like ah i have to instagram this this is awesome <laughs> this, this this is this is what people should hear about come on now this is i you know if fully i talk about this my followers will increase now overnight i'll become a success you know we are all waiting for somebody's fall to become famous you know somebody to go down so we can climb on their backs and start rising higher and that's exactly what this one guy did he's like man our father he has lost it what he was trying to say is don't follow our father anymore now i am the man in charge you guys follow me now this guy he could have been the next one to inherit noah's blessing but the bible says the other two sons they they didn't cover him they walked backwards and then covered him in other words they they even refused to look at what the other brother saw they they said no that's that's it's not in my hands see david said in another place in this is in chapter 26 he said i know saul has been wicked towards me in fact this is not the only time he saul did it he did it again at a later point he said one day i'm sure that god will punish him for what he has done but that's not my job if if my father is laying naked in the tent it is not my job to evaluate him that there is somebody above him who can correct him who can help him who can rebuke him who can you know discipline him that is not my responsibility my responsibility is to cover him not to correct him my responsibility is to walk behind and if there is an unwanted news about him i will go and quench that fire instead of adding fuel to the fire the next verse it says when david had finished speaking saul he called back is that really you my son david and what did he do then he began to cry see look at this demon possessed man the guy who is trying to kill david the guy who is trying to fight david when he encountered a spirit filled expression of kindness and faithfulness he had a revelation of who david was for the very first time he would look at david and say you are my son he always used to look at jonathan and he would be upset why are you helping david because don't you know he will take your place jonathan you are supposed you are my son you are the one who should sit on the throne why are you helping david because david is not my son you are my son you had to sit on the throne if if you continue to promote david david will kill you david will kill me but all of a sudden when there was such undivided constant loyalty that was expressed towards saul he turns back to david and say you're my son and he begins to cry the next verse then he said to david one first thing you are a better man than i am because you have repaid me good for evil will you please lift your hands up lord i declare that this will be the testimony upon this church that this will be a church that repays good for evil now when people 
hurt them, when people persecute them, when people put them down, let this be said about them that they are a better man, a better woman, a woman of loyalty, a man of kindness, a, a child, a son and a daughter in spite of what people have done to them. In Jesus name we pray. Yeah, your testimony is changing today. Your testimony is changing today. They can fight everything but they cannot fight your testimony. Yeah, the Bible says this same Saul who wanted to kill David, he said, yeah, you are a better man than I am because you have repaid me good for evil. Who else would let his enemy get away when he had him in his power? Now may the Lord reward you well for what? For the kindness that you have shown me today. Do you remember the definition? Loyalty is an expression of a spirit-filled kindness and faithfulness. So Saul is saying, may the Lord bless you for the reward you for the kindness that you have shown me today. The next line, very important. It says in verse 20, Now I realize that you are surely going to be the next king. And the kingdom of Israel will flourish under your rule. Not only did he call him the son, now he's saying, yeah, you're right. Because of what you have done, you will inherit this anointing. See, there was the anointing to become, be the king of the nation. Yeah? And he's saying, that's it. Because you have done this to me. Yeah. Or if you, if you look at what, what Saul is carrying right now, you don't want a portion in that. And yet, Saul is the man that was currently the king of the nation. You cannot become the king of the nation unless Saul gives you that blessing. And here is Saul saying, yes, I agree to you. See, there are two ways to get this blessing. Either you stand over his head, kill him and take his position. Or you continue to be faithful. You continue to be loyal to the point where the Saul who is trying to kill you turns around and says, man, I'm, I, I have realized that you are the son. You're my son. Jonathan was not a bad son. And yet, Saul looked at David and said, You're my son. And I see that you are going to be the next king of Israel. And I see that the nation will flourish under your rule. Can I declare that over you too? That everything that you touch will flourish under your leadership. Because of your loyalty. Everything that used to dry up in the last season of your life, today, the Lord is saying things will begin to flourish under your leadership. Your, your office, your company will begin to flourish under your leadership. Your children, they are going to flourish under your leadership. No, no, no. The weapons that are formed against you, they will not prosper. It will flourish. The work of God will flourish under you. Yeah, we thank you, Lord, for loyalty. We thank you, Lord, for loyal sons and daughters in this house. See, if a, if a, if a demon-possessed king can bless David with this, I think I can bless you with this too. Yeah, I can, I can do better to bless you and say, hey, yes, you will, you will do better than I do. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, hey, you, you guys, you, you will do more than what I have done greater works than what I have done, you will do. 
and everything that you touch there will be fruitfulness fruitfulness that will last you will flourish jesus told the disciples next thing saul is now making a request verse 21 now swear to me by the lord that when that happens you will not kill my family and destroy my line of descendants so david promised this to saul with an oath then saul he went home but david and his men they went back to their stronghold you you know that whenever a king is replaced or uh, the royal line is changed even if the next guy in charge is the is the son of the king and has a few brothers what they would usually do is they would they would go and kill all his brothers so that nobody will be a threat to the king after that and even more so when the family line the royal line is changing someone else is sitting on the throne of the nation so david by all means had the right to wipe off saul's family because they are going to forever be a threat to david yeah and yet here is saul saying i want you to promise i am convinced saul was very convinced that david will become the next king it's like but i i have a request that you don't kill my family david says yes my loyalty is not just towards you but because it's towards you i am going to stand for what is right and i am not going to be insecure and i am not going to hurt your family so david took an oath which means david agreed that he was going to become the next king it's not like david didn't have a understanding of his identity you know if david was not insecure and insignificant and you know that 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 orphan spirit no david knew that he is becoming the next king and yet he said i'm not going to hurt your family he made an oath why because he said saul he is the anointed of the lord and i will not lift a finger against the anointed i will not lift a word against the anointed i will not lift uh, my heart against the anointed no matter what happens my heart is going to be a loyal heart my family is going to be a loyal family my church is going to be a a loyal church there was this time when jesus he was healing people and some people they came and they started debating with jesus and said you are healing by a wrong spirit you have the prince of demons that's in that's inside you and that is how you're healing and jesus was very offended because he said you have no idea what you're fighting if you're fighting me it's okay but now you're fighting the anointing upon me because you remember in Luke chapter 4 when he opened the scroll and he read from Isaiah he said the spirit of the lord is upon me he is is anointed me to do this to to free the captives and to preach the gospels and, and to and to announce to the poor that the kingdom of god is here it is the anointing that is upon me now you're no longer just fighting me now you're fighting the person on the inside of me that's a very dangerous and that's that's why jesus said it like this he said in matthew chapter 12 and verse 31 he said every sin or every blasphemy can be forgiven except one sin which is that one sin blasphemy against the holy spirit which will never be forgiven in other words you kill somebody we can deal with it 
but you fight the anointed one of God. Ouch. I'm not talking about Old Testament, I'm talking about New Testament. Because Jesus said, hey, don't fight. You fight the Father, the Son will help you. Fight the Son, the Holy Spirit will help you. You fight the Holy Spirit. You fight the oil. You fight the presence that is filling the man. The man, he doesn't look worthy of this presence. The man, he doesn't walk like he's filled in the Holy Spirit. He talks nasty. He talks rude. He, he, he has a lifestyle that doesn't match with the oil that is upon him. But Jesus said, hey, don't, don't do that. Because everything else, God will forgive. There's one thing that if you're doing, that's a, that's a place of no return. If you become disloyal to the spirit that somebody is carrying, the oil that is upon somebody, the, the grace that is filling somebody, man, that's a very dangerous place. Yeah, it's a very, very dangerous place. There was this wise man called Gamaliel in the New Testament church. And in Acts chapter 5, we see how the whole council in the, you know, after, after the resurrection of Jesus, everybody, they're like pointing fingers at Peter and John and they're like, let's kill these guys. Let's deal with them. Let's finish them off. So then Gamaliel spoke up. It's in Acts chapter 5 and verse 38. So my advice, this is Gamaliel speaking. So my advice is leave this man alone. Let them go. If they are planning and doing these things merely on their own, it will soon be overthrown. But if it is from God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You may even find yourself fighting against God. What is Gamaliel's advice? So if you don't know something, let them be. Leave them be. If you don't know if this is from the Holy Spirit or not, then don't take panga with it. Just say, okay, let God deal with it. Because Gamaliel says, hey, within a matter of time, they will be overthrown. Paul explains this in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 15. He's saying, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. But others, they preach about Christ with pure motives. So some people, they may not have the right intention to do ministry. They may not have the right intention to bring God's voice to you. They may have jealousy and rivalry as motives. But there are others that are preaching with pure motives. So the first category says, they, some people, they preach because they love me, because they know that I have been appointed to defend the good news. So this one category of people, they preach because of their loyalty towards me, because of their love towards me. Because of their affection towards me. Okay? Then it says, But there are others who do not have the pure motives as they preach about Christ. What is the pure motives? It says, These guys preaching because of their love for Paul. Paul says that is pure motive. Not love for Jesus, but love for Paul. He says, That's pure motive. So if you serve in this church because you love your pastor, no problem. Yeah, that's a good motive. No problem. But it says, then there is a second category of people. It says in verse 17, those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with 
selfish ambition and not sincerely what are they trying to do they're trying to in, they're intending to make this chains even more painful for me and the bible says in the next line paul says but that doesn't matter whether their motives are false or genuine the message about christ is being preached either way so this is what i will do what will he do so i will rejoice and again i say i will continue to rejoice paul is saying these guys they have selfish motives to preach selfish motives to do ministry so what will i do expose them on facebook right yeah that's what we do today when we see oh man i know what is going on in their church i know what is behind their business i'll take them down no you think whatever it is i know that there is oil there there is christ there they may be doing from with the wrong motives with the wrong heart i'm still going to rejoice that they're building the kingdom of god because it is not for me to judge these guys it is god they are accountable to god and god will judge them so i'm not going to get in the way this is what i will do i will rejoice so when somebody that doesn't talk like you that doesn't behave like you when they when they do things can, can you can you refrain your judgment and can you continue to rejoice with them can you say ah i celebrate you brother ah in your heart of hearts you know that man this i wish this guy had little sense i wish this guy had a mentor or somebody that he will commit to submit to grow under they are see one category of guys they are selfish they they want to build their own church their own ministry another category of guys you know what is their pure motive they're doing this because they love paul they they are serving out of their love for their pastor and paul says that is pure motive but these guys that don't have a love for their leader their pastor they're like selfish motives because they are not trying to they are not trying to build the kingdom see everything in the kingdom of god works in a protocol there is a hierarchy that's why paul said imitate me as i imitate christ it doesn't say no 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 don't look at me only look at jesus this is imitate me like i imitate christ and here is paul saying these guys they have selfish ambitions they have jealousy and rivalry in their hearts but what will i do take my apostleship and shoot them you know peter ended up killing a few people in the new testament church he, paul could have done the same at one point he struck a guy blind do you think it was hard for him to say i declare that all these guys with selfish ambition tomorrow morning when they stand up to pre- i mean paul's words have value it will even happen what did paul do no i will rejoice because this is the anoint i don't want to pick a fight with the oil that is upon him i don't want to pick a fight i it's not because i have a i have you know any favor with this guy no i know that this guy has the oil because he is preaching christ and i'm not going to touch him that's not my job that's not my duty paul is explaining another place in in the book of galatians chapter 4 we'll finish with this he says surely you remember that i was sick when i first brought you the good news who was sick paul was the guy who healed so many people is the guy who preached about healing is what would we do if a sick pastor 
comes up here and says, I'm going to pray for your healing today. <laughs> Ouch. What will we do? Guys, talk to me. We'll say, when this healing begins to work for you, then you come and tell us. Yeah? This is what the Galatian church did. He said, even though my condition tempted you to reject me. Because, see, salvation, the gospel message, it was never just about salvation from sins. It was salvation from sins and healing from sicknesses. So it was so, so you know, opposite for Paul to preach a message that doesn't seem to be working for him. So the temptation that the church had was, we have to reject this guy. Because he is talking about a healing and a grace that is not working for him. He says, yeah, your temptation was to reject me, but this is what you did. You did not despise me. You, don't, you did not turn me away. But what did you do? You took me in and you cared for me. He says, this is the way in which you cared for me. No, you took me in and you cared for me as though I were an angel from God or even Christ Jesus himself. Do you know how the church welcomed Apostle Paul when he is sick? When he doesn't have everything going well in his life? How the church celebrated him? Like, like they have met an angel of God. If an angel would come to your house, how would you welcome that guy? Forget about an angel. If Jesus had to come into your house, how would you welcome this person? And I can understand if somebody who is walking in anointing and healing the sick left, right and center, everybody will submit to this guy, no? But look at a broken man who is hurting, who is sick, so sick that he needs to be taken care of. And Paul says, as a church, this is what you did. You know I was weak. You knew that I'm struggling and you stood by me and you cared for me like you would do to an angel or like you would do to Christ Jesus himself. See, the word Christ Jesus means the anointed Jesus. The Christ, the word Christ means the anointed one. The anointed Jesus. So in other words, when they honored Paul, they were not honoring Paul as Paul. They were honoring Paul as the anointed one. They were honoring the anointing that was upon Paul. And the next line, Paul says, hey, where is that joyful and grateful spirit that you felt then? Because I'm sure that you would have taken your eyes and given them to me if it had been possible. Look at Paul's, you know, expectation from the church. That this church was so loyal to Paul that they're not just saying, okay, I'll cook a nice meal for you or I'll give my money to you. They're saying, I will pluck out my eye and give it to you. Anybody want to volunteer to do that for me today? Please meet me after. Any, any, okay, one hand there. How many of you want to see if she will go through with it? <laughs> just kidding. It says, if it is possible, that's what you would do to the extent that you would give me your own eye. You would pluck out in, in other, our language, you would donate your kidney for me, you know. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. That's how much loyal you are. And then he says, where is that joyful and grateful spirit? The other translations would say, where is that blessedness? What happened to that blessedness? This loyalty, church, this loyalty that we are talking about, it's a blessed place. 
It brings you joy. It brings you freedom. It brings you spiritual gratefulness. You know, the, the problem with so many of us is not that, you know, that God has not given us the right people to be loyal to. The problem with most of us is that we always want to point fingers and be critical about people. We are always saying, ah, this is not working. This is not, I don't seem to understand this. I don't seem to get this. But the kingdom of God, it doesn't work so much by you uh, getting, you know, complete understanding on everything. It works more by honor. If you can learn to honor somebody else that God has placed over your life, you may not understand why this guy is demon possessed. You may not understand why this guy is hunting me. You may have no logical reason. Like David is thinking, I am a nobody. In fact, at one place, go back and read this, okay? David says, I am a dead dog. I am a nobody. Why are you hunting me? David is telling this to Saul, not to Goliath. Okay? Before Goliath, he was not a dead dog. Before Goliath, he was a warrior. But when it came to Saul, he's like, I'm, I'm a nobody. Why are you even hunting me? There are Philistines out there. Go fight. Why are you after me? He didn't understand anything. But he said, I'll still show loyalty. I will still show faithfulness. I will still be kind. I will still grow in this place. And Paul, when he's looking at the church at, at, at Galatia and he's groaning, he says in verse 19, Oh, my dear children, their spiritual father, right? Saying, I feel like I am going through labor pains for you all over again. Because of their actions, because of what they were doing. Now Paul says, now I, I feel like I'm, I'm put into this labor all over again. And this labor pain, it will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Can you say this after me that I will not put my father to labor pains again? No. He's already, he's already gone through enough labor pains. No. Paul says in Philippians 1, they are making my chains harder for me. Don't do that. That cannot be our portion. We, we have, this is a loyal church. This is a church that values the anointing. It's easier to value the anointing upon the stage. But do you know that the person sitting next to you is also anointed? You need to say, hey, this, this girl or this guy, he has the Holy Spirit in them. See, in the Old Testament, not everybody had the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, everybody in this church is a David. Everybody in this church is filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody has the anointing of God in them. When you're looking at your neighbor, you're looking at somebody who is anointed by God. You're not, you know, sometimes it's very easy to say only the pastor is anointed. No, your neighbor is anointed, bro. Your neighbor is anointed, sis. You need to learn to value that anointing. You're like, hey, no, I know I don't agree with you, but I will not touch the anointing upon your life. I, I, I have a problem with you, but not the grace upon your life. I will not question that grace. Let's, let's just stand up and let's finish with this, okay? Psalm 133 and verse 1. How wonderful and how pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. Why? Because harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured where 
the anointing oil was poured on Aaron's head then it began to run down his beard and then onto the corner of his robe the anointing always flows from the head to the bottom yeah and the bible says this anointing can be experienced when we show loyalty to each other when there is kindness and faithfulness in our relationship when there is a harmony a divine harmony says this harmony it results in this anointing oil that was that flows from the head to the bottom verse 3 says this harmony is as refreshing as the dew from mount hermon that falls on the mountains of zion and there the lord has pronounced his blessing even life everlasting so today the lord wants to refresh your spirit today the lord wants to give you a blessing he wants to pronounce a blessing upon your life he wants to give you a life that is everlasting but we have to repent of every dishonesty every dishonor everything that we have done to fight the anointing i want you to become vocal in your expression and say lord i will never never point another finger at the anointing i will never yeah there are so many areas of our life that we should have been blessed in but because we we constantly fought the anointing we lacked the blessing that the lord pronounced upon us but today things are changing in a and a spirit of refreshment is coming upon the church as refreshing as the dew on mount hermon a grace that will restore everything shekena manduru bolo in jesus name i declare that the that the healing that is supposed to be your portion come to you in jesus name i declare that the flourishing that was supposed to be in your house let it return one more time i declare that the the anointing that was supposed to restore you that was supposed to provide for you let it return to you one more time lord i bless the loyal people in this house in jesus name today and i declare that they will be better at this than i am i declare that they will grow further they will go beyond than me that they will do more than what i have done they will earn more money that they will more be more richer more prosperous lord i declare that they will be more blessed they will be more healed they will be more victorious we declare that they will have the grace to have dominion over the kingdom that the lord has entrusted into their hands they will not lack this grace to have authority in the mighty name of jesus we rebuke the devourer we rebuke the enemy we rebuke the philistine we rebuke the goliaths and the giants in your life and lord right now i i speak that you are the jaira over your people we speak that you are the nissi over your people yes we speak that you are the rafa over your people let them reap the reward of their loyalty lord let them reap the reward of their faithfulness let them see the results of their kindness in the mighty name of jesus we have prayed thank you for tuning in for today's sermon we hope this word has been a blessing to you do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information 
You're welcome to tune in every Sunday for a live celebration service at 11 a.m. at youtube.com slash Pastor Prithi. God bless you and have a blessed week.